Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. My name is Ashley, and I am planning my very own unconventional surprise budget micro-wedding in the middle of a pandemic. If you live a minimalist life and you want your wedding to be minimalist too, you're in the right place. So I am back with part three, the final part, I promise, of how to cut your wedding budget in half. I'm going to go over all of the remaining tips that I have for different areas where you can cut your wedding budget. And as a reminder, if you missed how to cut your wedding budget in half, part one and two, you can head back in your podcast feed to get those. As well, as I always say, this is not a judgment zone. If you want to spend a ton of money on some of these areas that I'm telling you to spend less on or to skip altogether, then you do you. Have fun live your best life, have the wedding that you want. These are just ideas, so no need to get offended, and I hope this helps. So let's jump right in. So the next category that I'd love to chat about is the honeymoon. So the honeymoon can definitely be a place where you can go a little bit wild and totally splurge. You could spend more than your wedding budget on a honeymoon. You know, you could do overwater bungalows in the Maldives or this really exclusive, you know, safari through South Africa, whatever it is. You could definitely go pretty big here, but you also could go small. You don't have to do anything big. Um, Have you heard of the mini moon? That's usually a smaller getaway, you know, maybe a long weekend and just something you could do pretty locally. Um, Maybe you don't have to fly or it's just a short flight. Maybe you have a cute area a couple hours from where you live and you can do a little getaway. So that's perfect to save money Um, save time as well. You probably don't have to take too much time off work. And it also works out well if you're getting married in these COVID times when international travel is pretty difficult. It's a lot easier to just head somewhere local and have an awesome time, you know, in a cabin or a cute little B&B or something like that. 
if you do want to go on a bigger honeymoon, you can do it uh, delayed. You definitely don't have to go on a honeymoon as soon as you get married. Actually, a lot of people regret going on their honeymoons, you know, the next day because you're tired, you're hungover, you might have guests in town that you want to hang out with, or, you know, maybe there's vendors that you have to return things to or things like that. And the last thing you want to do is have to wake up at the crack of dawn to go catch a flight. So definitely feel free to delay your honeymoon, especially if it means you can save up for it. If you happen to be getting married at a destination, like if you're doing a wedding, I don't know, in Mexico or even just in a different province or state, you can just tie that into your honeymoon. So you can stay an extra week and have your honeymoon where you already were for your wedding. If you still do want to do, you know, the traditional honeymoon, there are lots of deals out there. Um, look out for all-inclusive resorts if that's your style of travel. There's usually lots of deals um, available depending on when you book. There's lots of great airfare deals. Um, honeymooners often get upgrades, so definitely let everyone know that you're on your honeymoon and see if that can get you a nicer room or maybe a bottle of champagne or something like that. But if you're flexible, if you're not, you know, super set on, okay, we have to go to Paris this week, this time, that's it. If you're kind of open, like, hey, we'll go anywhere in Europe, you know, anytime in the spring, then there's definitely deals out there for you to find. So just keep your eyes open. If you're totally lost, you can work with a travel agent or join some travel groups on Facebook. Lots of great resources there. And you can definitely do your honeymoon on a budget. Next up, we have counseling. Now, this is something that I know not all couples are into, but I think it's actually a really cool idea to do some sort of marriage counseling before you get married. And this doesn't have to be for couples who are in trouble. It's basically just making sure you have all of those important conversations before you get married. If you're getting married through a religious organization, I know a lot of uh, religions, not force, but strongly encourage you to go through some sort of a premarital counseling through uh, your church or your synagogue or your temple. Um, so that might be an option and that might even be included as part of your ceremony, as part of the package of getting married in the church or wherever you might have to do the counseling with them. So that's a great way to sort of check that off your, off your list. Um, another way to do it if you're looking uh, to do things on a budget is just to get a book from the library. There's lots of books about, um, you know, there's the five love languages. There's books about, uh, you know, 101 questions to ask before you get married or basically different sort of therapy workbooks that you can just take home from the library for free and do that with your partner. You can even just, you know what, what I did, I googled um, questions to talk to your partner about before you get married. And I put together a huge spreadsheet of all these questions. And each night, my partner and I answer one question together. So that's kind of a really fun way for us to, you know, have these conversations, these forward thinking conversations about our life and about our marriage each day. So it's not just, okay, you know, we're doing this session one time, and then that's it. We're never talking about it again. And also to do it on a budget, because it cost us $0 to find those questions online, and to have those conversations. Lastly, if you are looking for some more traditional therapy, double check with your job and see if you have coverage. Um, if you do have health benefits, they might have some coverage for counseling. So that's a great way to get your counseling either completely covered or at least partially covered. Moving on, next we have the wedding cake. Controversial statement coming up, I believe you can skip the wedding cake. <gasps> yes, it's true. You can skip it. <laughs> wedding cakes are ridiculously expensive. I was chatting with a girlfriend of mine who was planning to have about 50 guests, and the wedding cake she's looking at is like $700, which is absolutely wild. Um, you do not need to have a wedding cake. Nobody really cares. Um, I remember a wedding I was in 
somebody came out was like, oh, they're cutting the cake, like quick, gather everyone up. And I, you know, as I was gathering people, I was like, but why? Why do we care to watch this couple cut the cake? That's not that exciting. Like, I strongly believe my friend can put a knife through a piece of sponge cake. I believe in her. I don't need to see it. I don't really care about them feeding it to each other. Not a big deal. And this is from a person who really enjoys cake. I love cake. I love dessert. Um, but I'm not about to spend hundreds of dollars on it for my wedding. So you can definitely skip it. If you don't want to skip it, there are definitely cheaper ways to go. You can get sheet cake from places like Costco or Sam's Club. You can get a smaller, um, you know, really fancy bakery cake that is just for the cutting. If, if those photos are important to you, if you want to have that moment. And then you can have the sheet cake to actually serve your guests. You can do an alternative. You don't have to do cake. You could do, you know, a lot of the trendy weddings in the last probably five to ten years have been doing like donuts or cupcakes or ice cream or waffles, you know, whatever it is that you like. And the fun thing there is that you can make it a lot more personal, but it's also usually a lot cheaper. Like if you went to, even if you went to a fancy bakery and bought 50 donuts, it's probably not going to cost you $700. So you saved yourself a ton of money there. And a lot of your catering services will come with dessert. So you could just go with the dessert that your caterer serves. You don't have to have this fancy cake. And a lot of wedding planners do say that cake is actually the thing that gets left behind at the end of the night and they end up cleaning up all these plates of cake. So don't worry about it. If it's not a big deal to you, it's not going to be a big deal to anybody else. You don't have to worry about that tradition of, you know, on your first anniversary, that piece of cake that you froze and eating it. Like, just go out and buy yourself a new cake. You deserve it. <laughs> You've been together a whole year. You made it. You can go to the bakery and buy yourself, you know, a little mini cake or get a slice of your favorite cake or go out to dinner, whatever it is. So totally feel free to skip the cake. Next up, we have the wedding rings. Also optional, if you can believe it. You do not actually have to have wedding rings or wedding bands. You can totally skip them. I know most people don't want to skip them, so I'll give you a few budget alternatives. So the thing that I'm planning to do is I'm actually going to use my engagement ring as my wedding band. And I'm going to talk about this more in a future episode, kind of all about rings. But my thought on it is I'm not a big jewelry wearer. I don't, you know, wear jewelry, jewelry regularly. So it's already going to be a big stretch for me to wear my engagement ring. I really love my ring. I think it's beautiful. It's got three stones on it. It's kind of got some curves. And I'm not really even sure how a wedding band would look with it. I think I'd really have to go out of my way to find one that matches, that fits with it. And then it would just be an extra piece on my finger. And it's a little bit bulky. And I don't need that. I love the way my engagement ring looks on its own. So that's the ring that I want to wear. So on our wedding day, I will just simply slip that ring off, hand it to my partner, and then he'll put it right back on my finger and it'll be great. Um, for his ring, we're planning to order something off of Amazon or Etsy. They have tons of rings on there with really great reviews. Um, you can get some, you know, sterling silver or gold or rose gold. You can do tungsten, which is like a really strong metal, whatever you want. And you can find really great rings for like 50 bucks. Um, so definitely more affordable. You can also do silicone rings. Um, there's a few different brands that make silicone rings that are super cool because they're great if you work at a job with your hands because you really can't destroy them. And they're also incredibly affordable, like 20, 30 bucks for the ring. And the great thing about wedding rings is you can always upgrade. So whatever the ring is that you exchange on your wedding day, if you find, you know, five years down the line, maybe, you know, if you have kids and your ring or sorry, your fingers change sizes or you start working a new job where you can't wear a ring or even if just you know your tastes change you're like huh I loved rose gold when I was 25 but now that I'm 40 
I prefer silver. You can always upgrade. You can always buy a new ring that can be an anniversary present or a birthday present or something like that. So you don't have to be, you know, totally, totally 100% sold. This is the ring I'm going to wear for the rest of my life. Because I'm sure if you talk to lots of married couples, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, I lost my ring, bought a new one, lost it again, bought a new one. It's really... The ring is the symbol, but it doesn't have to be um, the one ring that you wear for the rest of your life. So I wouldn't worry about spending a ton of money on it at this point, especially if you are trying to save some money. Next up, we have hair and makeup. So if you are somebody who wants to have your hair and makeup done on your wedding day, a great way to do that on a budget is just to do it yourself. Uh, if you are naturally quite talented, you do your own hair and makeup most days, it's pretty easy to start watching some YouTube tutorials or Pinterest or even just get some tips from other people in your life who wear hair or who wear makeup and do their hair and you can definitely do your own hair and makeup you don't have to have it professionally done you can also have your friends do it that's what my stepmom did for her wedding she just had uh, some her sisters and her cousins help with her hair and makeup on the day of and not only did she look gorgeous um they did a really great job i think they had gone into a sephora or something like that and and gotten a lesson from the employee who worked there. And it's also a really nice moment to have, you know, that getting ready be a little bit more personal because it's, you know, somebody you love, your sister, your cousin, your friend, your family member actually doing your makeup and your hair, which is really nice. If you do want a professional, but you're trying to save some money, definitely look at student artists. You can go to, um, some of like the local esthetician schools or hair schools and see if they have any students who are available to hire or somebody who's just starting out in the business. Um, again, you're probably going to want to do a trial or sort of see some examples of their work. And of course, know that they aren't as experienced and you have to be okay with that, meaning things might not be, you know, 100% what you're looking for. You might also get a deal if you are including the wedding party or, you know, um, your mom or your partner's mom in the hair and makeup experience as well. So that's something worth asking about. And if you are hiring a professional, especially if you're getting you know, a team of artists and you're doing you and your 14 bridesmaids and your mom and your mother-in-law and your stepmom and your sister and all these other people, definitely make sure you are um, being really clear about the timing for the day and you're clear about all the things that are included. Do you have to pay for travel? Is there going to be a break at some point? Um, just because I know something that really slows down a wedding day, and I'm sure I'll get into timelines in another episode, is that hair and makeup process. It really does take forever. <laughs> I had my hair and makeup for a wedding I was in at 5 a.m. and uh, it was a long day. It was a long one. So be careful with that. <laughs> Next up, we have favors. And this is my favorite tip of the episode because you can totally skip them. <gasps> yes, you can. Nobody wants your favor. Nobody cares. Save money, save time, save stress. Don't do it. If you don't believe me, head back to the mini-sode I did on this called Do You Need Wedding Favors? And spoiler alert, the answer is no. And I think I made some very convincing arguments in that episode. So go back and listen to that one because you can totally skip these. Next, I've got entertainment. So this is actually something you can skip as well. I know a lot of people are like, oh, what, like, what are we going to do? Um, we all have dinner all the time without any entertainment, and we have a great time. Like, you know, when you go over to a friend or family member's house for the holidays or just for, you know, a dinner party or a birthday party, there's not usually entertainment. It's usually just hang out, eat dinner, you know, chat, enjoy each other's company, and it's great. We all love it. So do not stress about needing to have... I don't know, dancers or a magician or anything like that to entertain your guests, especially if you are having a dance floor, if you're allowed to during COVID times, or if you're getting married, 
in a post-COVID world, you know, whenever that is, and you're allowed to have a dance floor, that is all the entertainment you need. You don't need anything special. You don't need someone walking around on stilts or making balloons or anything like that. All, all that stuff is awesome. And I'm sure those people are really, really talented, but it can also really add up. You know, if you're putting live artists or dancers or even a photo booth, things like that, you know, they're fun. And I'm sure people really enjoy them at a wedding, but they're also really expensive and they're not mandatory. So please don't be going into debt and taking out loans in order to have a photo booth at your wedding. It's not necessary. People are going to have a great time without it. If you do still want to do some sort Sort of entertainment. You can always do games. There's lots of games you can do that are free and they're super fun. Um, something like the shoe game or the newlywed game. If you don't know what those are, just do a quick Google. Um, they're a little cheesy, but they're also really fun. I've played them at a few weddings and people laugh. People get really into it. Um, I know music trivia is becoming a new trend in this COVID time when people can't have dance floors. People are doing some version of like name that tune or even karaoke. So you can think outside the box, but basically anything you want to add entertainment wise, try to keep it as low budget and low stress as possible. And know that even if you add nothing, for example, for our wedding, we're not doing any entertainment. <laughs> we are feeding people dinner and that's it. Um, and we think it's going to be great because we're with all these people we love and we're happy just to sit around and chat with them. That's all the entertainment we need. Next on my list is the marriage license. Okay, I don't have any budget tips for this one. You have to get a marriage license if you want to be legally married. And often that price is set by the uh, local locale where you live. So your county or your province, or your state. And there's no, uh, there's no wiggle room on that. So if you can't afford your marriage license, um, unfortunately, you might not be able to get married because that sort of is mandatory. You can't skip it. Um, one thing you do want to do, just speaking of timelines, is really to make sure that you look ahead and you are getting your marriage license early. I know a lot of people are really stressing, especially with COVID and different you know, counties and register offices are closing early or are completely closed. They're booked out weeks in advance. And people are now in situations where you know, they're getting married in a week, but they don't have a license. The next appointment to get a license is three weeks from now. So if you want to be legally married on the day of your wedding or, you know, the day that you're planning to sign, make sure you look into this marriage license issue early, like months and months in advance. Um, you should also be able to tell how long your license is good for. Like it might be good for 90 days or six months or three months, you know, whatever it is, look into it. Make sure you know everything about this ahead of time so you don't get stuck. Let's move on to the next category. The next one I have is gifts. So this is different from favors. Favors would be um, like a little thing that you would leave on everyone's plate at the reception to sort of say thanks for coming. For gifts, I'm talking about um, more personal gifts that you would be giving to your wedding party or your parents or your spouse. So I actually think gifts, you know, of course they're not mandatory, but I think they're a really, really nice way to say thank you, especially for people, you know, your wedding party, they've been there for you. Maybe they threw you some pre-wedding parties like a bachelor or bachelorette or a shower. They spent a lot of money on their outfit, their shoes, their hair, their makeup, their jewelry. Um, maybe they've spent some time, you know, coming with you to different appointments or getting things set up. They had to pay for, you know, hotel and transportation. They put a lot into your day. And I know there's so much drama around wedding parties, and I, and I have a whole episode about why you might want to skip the wedding party, actually. But if you do have a wedding party, I think it's really nice to give them a gift to thank them for all the time and effort and money that they've invested in your day, because they didn't have to, right? Like, you can still be a wonderful friend and not spend $300 on a dress and, you know, 
$500 on a flight and all this other stuff. So that's really lovely. I definitely think your wedding party should get gifts. Um, anyone who really, really helped you for the day, so usually that's your parents and maybe your in-laws, would be great to get them a gift. And then a lot of people like to get their future spouse a gift. So my rule for gifts, if you want to keep it on a budget, is to go personal over expensive. It's something that people are going to value a lot more. And it's just a really nice, sweet way to actually thank people genuinely instead of just sort of throwing money at the situation, especially if you are trying to do it on a budget and you don't have that kind of money. So, for example, you know, gifting something to your spouse, you could just write them a really beautiful card sharing maybe all the things that didn't fit into your vows, things you want them to know um, for, you know, a wedding party member, maybe it's a photo of the two of you together and you have a really beautiful card to go with it. Same with your parents, you know, you could do a beautiful photo or just some other, you know, small token to let them know how much you appreciate them with something personal to them. If you do want to get, you know, more of, a, of an actual gift and not just a card or a photo or a letter, try to think of something practical. I know in the past when I've been in a wedding party, I've been gifted my hair and makeup. The couple said, hey, you know, instead of gifts, we're, we're going to cover your hair and makeup for the day. That's awesome because that saves me, you know, $150 or whatever it is. Super helpful. Or, um, you know, if, if you have it within the budget, maybe you're covering everyone's hotel or something like that. Um, I will say I don't think it really counts if you are gifting something that you're forcing the person to wear that day. So, for example, I know a lot of people say, oh, I'm gifting, um, you know, this this necklace to all my bridesmaids that they're going to wear on the day of. Or I'm gifting them with these robes that we're going to wear getting ready. So that's not so much of a gift as it is just like part of what you want for the aesthetic of the day. And I know, sure, maybe they're going to wear the necklace again, maybe they're going to wear the robe again, but the primary reason that you're purchasing that for them is so that they can look nice on your wedding day. And I guess that kind of contradicts what I just said about hair and makeup, but for me, that, that really did seem like a big cost savings that I didn't have to pay for that out of pocket. Whereas a necklace, I probably would have just skipped and a robe, I also would have just skipped if, if the option was put in front of me. So just be careful with things like that. If you are planning to gift, you know, robes and necklaces and things like that, or suspenders, socks, you know, whatever stuff you want them to wear for the wedding day, that's really nice. But make sure you're also coupling that with a really personal note and a card to thank them because it kind of just looks like you're adding more of like, okay, this is more about my wedding aesthetic than it is. Thank you so much for being here, right? I will say controversially, please skip engraving things. Nobody wants their name on a hanger or a robe or a jean jacket or a mug. This is apparently all the rage for those bridesmaid proposal boxes. And it's anytime people are like, oh, what are you gifting your bridesmaids? People come up with all of these engraved things. Does anyone actually want that stuff? I definitely don't. And I don't think I'm in the minority here. I think most of us do not want or need a wine glass with our name on it. Even worse if it just says bridesmaid because... Like, what? Why would I drink out of a glass that says bridesmaid in my life? Of course, I have glasses. I don't need that. <laughs> so maybe I'm just the worst person to buy gifts for, but I am a big fan of gifting things that are personal, if not personal, practical. And then if, you know, you're still going beyond that, I would pick something that's, you know, still really personal to that person, something that you actually genuinely know that they would love and enjoy. So it's an actual gift. Um, and not just something that they could have for the wedding day or something that you saw on Etsy that says wedding, because personally, I think that stuff is um, <laughs> kind of pointless and ends up just sitting in a box or getting thrown away 
I know I have received flip-flops and hangers and jewelry and robes, and I don't have any of that anymore. No idea where it is because it didn't mean much to me. And I wish my friends, you know, hadn't bothered spending money on that because it wasn't really a gift. It was more of just, you know, the thing you think you're supposed to get people. So try to go outside of that box and you can definitely do that on a budget. All right, we are almost at the finish line. I'm almost done with my tips for how to cut your wedding budget in half. Here we go. All right, so I've sort of got a big catch-all category here that is including things like signs, the card box, the guest book, place cards, the ring box, basically just all the little accessories that you might see sitting around on a wedding day or hanging up or something like that. And if you want to save money, you can skip all of these things. I'm telling you, you can totally, totally skip them. You do not do not need a cute sign telling people where to sit or even telling people to put their phones away during the ceremony or letting them know that you have a specialty cocktail or, you know, reception this way, toilets this way, what the menu is. You don't need any of that. People will figure it out. You can have your officiant make an announcement telling people to put phones away. When people get to the bar, they can say, you know, what do you got? And the bartender can tell them about your signature drink. Um, people will figure out where the toilets are and where the reception is. So signs really are not necessary, especially if you're stressing about getting these beautiful, um, you know, hand-lettered signs and trying to source them all over the place, um, Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist. You might get a deal, but at the end, you are still spending money. You probably didn't need to spend, and then you're going to be stuck trying to resell them later. Same with, you know, the card box and the guest book. If you want those things, you can definitely get them for really cheap at a dollar store or off of Amazon. You might even be able to borrow, you know, a card box. If a friend of yours got married, they might still have theirs. Um, things like place cards and other paper you don't really need. Head back to the episode I did called Why You Don't Need Wedding Stationery, and I kind of talk through all the different paper elements of a wedding day and alternatives and why you can skip them. Basically anything that's not, you know, super necessary to you getting married and your guests having a great time, you can totally, totally skip. And if you find yourself, you know, up late at night scrolling through Facebook Marketplace trying to find the perfect ring box or something like that, like it's time to let it go. <laughs> that is not the stress you need on your wedding day or leading up to your wedding day. There are way more important things that you should be focusing on. Um, kind of in the same vein, we've got gift bags or welcome baskets. So this kind of became a thing when people started doing destination weddings, you know, when everyone's showing up at the hotel, it became a thing to have these cute little welcome baskets in the rooms ahead of time. And they would have like water and Tylenol and a cute little tote bag and sunglasses that say like, you know, John and Jane forever and a map and a list of activities and snacks. And they are so cute, so adorable. Don't get me wrong. Um, the next time I stay at a hotel, I would love to have a welcome basket, but they're also expensive and completely unnecessary. You do not need to be stressing about putting together welcome baskets for your guests. If you just want to give them some info, you know, about the area, if people are traveling in for your wedding, throw that up on your wedding website for free. You can link to a bunch of blog posts, no problem. Um, you know, have a map on there, whatever it is you want. You don't have to give people, you know, water and snacks and a little gift. The gift is that you are probably buying them dinner and some sort of drinks and they get to see you get married. That is gift enough. They don't need anything else. Trust me, they will be fine. It will not be missed. Next, we've got tips. So for tips, I'm talking about the tip that you would give to different wedding vendors on the wedding day or afterwards or leading up to. And this is actually a category I don't think you should skip. If you are in a location where tipping is part of the custom, 
um, you definitely want to factor this into your budget. So unfortunately, there's no real way to cut here. I think it's kind of disrespectful if you're not able to tip the amount that is usually tipped. Um, and it's not nice to cut that in half just because you're running you know, on a smaller budget, if you can't afford, it's sort of the same philosophy, you know, with restaurants. So where I'm located, it's, you know, customary to tip anywhere, you know, from 15 to 20% when you go out to eat. And if you can't afford that, then you can't afford to go out to eat. Even if you don't believe in the tipping culture, unfortunately, that's, if that's the culture that you're in currently, you need to abide by that. And it's, you know, it's not fair to the server at the restaurant or, or your vendors or whatever, if you can't afford to tip them. If that's the case, then you need to think of your total budget and then, you know, minus 15%. And that's how much you should be paying for the service so you can still afford to tip. So the best way to sort of cut back on the amount that you'll have to tip is obviously to have fewer vendors and to have paid less for them. So if you go back through all of my tips, mostly in the first and second part of this series of how to cut your wedding budget in half, you'll see that there's lots of vendors um, that I told you either to totally skip or to find cheaper versions of. And the nice thing about that is that also means either no tips or less tips. So that's a really good way to save some money here. If you're not sure who to tip or if you should be tipping, just do a quick Google for your area. Um, also jump on Facebook groups and say, hey, any other couples in X, you know, county or city or state or province and ask who they're tipping because I know it does vary by location. You'll also want to double check your invoices. Some vendors do add the tip or as part of their invoice. They'll have it already as a line item, which I don't really love. Um, and I think legally you might actually be able to fight that because tips aren't really supposed to be part of the invoice, but just double check that so you're not double tipping. And then just to make your life a lot easier, try to have all these tips figured out um, before the night of the wedding. So you're not running around with cash in envelopes trying to tip all your vendors. You know, it's 2020. We can do this stuff online. Just, you know, Venmo them or PayPal them or however you paid your invoice, add the tip then or, you know, send it before the wedding, whatever it is. I think we're past the days of running around with cash in envelopes on the wedding day, hopefully at least. Okay, we are... Almost at the end, I have one bucket left where you can save some money, and this one is beauty appointments. So these would be the appointments that are leading up to your wedding day. A lot of people like to get, you know, their hair cut, their eyebrows done, their nails done, a wax, a facial, a massage, all those different things. Um, so the best way to save money on this is really just not to do anything too dramatic. You don't really want a drastic change you know, before your wedding day, the week of your wedding is not the time to get your first spray tan or to try, you know, a pixie cut if you've always had long hair or to do really wild nails if you never get, you know, anything put on your fingers or I don't know, a different um, weird peel or wrap or something on your skin that you've never tried before. You definitely don't want to do any of that just in case you react badly to it. You might be stressed the week of your wedding, so your skin might be, you know, prone to breaking out anyways. Um, or if it's just not the look you want for your wedding day, right? If you get that spray tan and you realize, oh wait, like, you know, orange really is not my color and uh, you're stuck because you get married two days later. So don't do anything drastic. Stick to what you usually do, your regular beauty routine and maybe just up it a little bit. Like for example, you know, I'm probably going to get my nails done. Um, I usually do that maybe once or twice a year. So that's something that I'll do. Um, and I'll have, you know, I'd probably get my haircut like kind of close to the, the wedding time, but nothing, nothing wild, nothing crazy. If someone wants to buy me a massage, I'm all for it. <laughs> um, and then so leading up to these beauty appointments, definitely look out for specials or sales. So start following 
the different salons or beauticians or whoever on social media or on their website and just look out, see if they have any sales you can take advantage of, any packages. This could also be something that you might want to do with your wedding party or with your mom or a parent or, you know, a sister or brother, whoever it is. And the kind of nice thing here is this could actually work as a wedding gift. So it could work both ways. This could be something, let's say, you know, you go to the salon with your mom and she decides she's going to pay for all of your services. That could be her wedding gift to you. But also, you know, on the other side, you could pay for her services and that could be the thank you gift um, that you want to give her. So it could work both ways. And this definitely falls into that category of really practical gifts, something, you know, giving your mom a massage the week of the wedding or a manicure, like super lovely and definitely very helpful. I'm sure she would appreciate that. So that is a great way to sort of double up. It doesn't necessarily save you money, but it, it does in the long run because you won't have to buy her a gift separate from that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. I really appreciate it. And thank you for sticking with me through my three-part series of how to cut your wedding budget in half. I hope it was helpful and you've got a lot of great tips for how you're going to save some money. If you want to make my day, you can leave me a rating and review, subscribe so you don't miss the next episode, and tell a friend about the podcast. And remember, no wedding is worth going into debt over. 